I wonder if we did a series, if the next series would be on the works of the flesh, if we would in- increase our attendance. Maybe. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth, O oh God, and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Our family dog, affectionately named Pup Francis, because when he was a puppy, he was very sweet and calm. But now he's eight years old, and over the past year, Pup Francis has developed an unsettling condition called sleep startle response or sleep startle aggression. And what that means is if or when Francis is awakened suddenly from sleeping or daydreaming, he can quickly turn from a calm dog into a dog with teeth exposed and a snarl. And we've learned the hard way that the adage, let sleeping dogs lie, is actually very true and very wise advice. With the help of our veterinarian and some behavior modification therapy, we are also learning how to redirect this difficult behavior. I think we humans understand the temptation to live in fight or flight mode. Is it just me or does it feel like the past 18 months have set people on edge even more and were poised to fight or flee? People seem to be ready to snarl at the slightest offense perceived or real. There seems to be more uh, drivers that are short-tempered or people in line at the grocery store more impatient. I see myself go from zero to 60 much more easily. I know my anxiety level over the past year and a half um, is shorter than it usually is, and my spiritual and emotional reservoir um, seems to be down or low or a little dry. As a society, we seem to be burning pretty hot, like the fires in the West. There seems to be a drought of compassion and an arid period of generosity of spirit. The Apostle Paul was addressing these sorts of behaviors, destructive behavior within the community of faith when he talked about the danger of biting or consuming, devouring each other by the lack of love. Maybe now more than ever, we need to be cultivating the fruit of self-control in our lives. Many of us hear the term self-control and we inwardly groan. Is self-control bad news to you? Is the mere suggestion of self-control guilt-inducing or shaming? Self-control might conjure up New Year's resolutions gone south Exercise regimens unfulfilled, weight loss hopes crestfallen. 
Self-control might bring up memories of your parents' admonitions in adolescence against sex, drugs, and rock and roll. The practice of self-control challenges us by the very real helplessness that we sometimes have over our impulses. Even Paul said, I do what I know I shouldn't. I don't do what I know I should. Who shall set me free? So for eight Sundays, you have heard sermons on the various fruit of the Spirit, and this is our concluding one. At this point, our hope is that you understand or appreciate what Paul was trying to teach the church in Galatia. The fruit are practices we do over and over again that shape us into the people God wants us to be. The fruit are manifestations of the presence of the Spirit. Now, interestingly... Love and self-control bookend that list. Now think about that. If our intention is to be servants of love, the law of love, self-control is essential in meeting that end. How do we avoid quarrels and factions, enmities and strife? How do we keep ourselves from letting petty jealousies and envy rot the core? Make love the law, Paul says, and practice self-control. Would not Congress, would the Congress make love their law and practice self-control in dealing with one another as they make decisions for the welfare of all the citizens. That's a prayer we can make. Paul's chief desire was to see wholeness and health in every community of faith. Paul was clear that being people who are led by the Spirit live the law of love, love your neighbor as yourself. If we've been set free to love others by the Spirit freely given to us, with that freedom comes God's power to control our self-destructive impulses. Now, self-control is a muscle, and it needs exercise to be strengthened. Exercising self-control in small things increases our ability to self-regulate in big things. You probably remember the famous 1972 marshmallow experiment that involved 600 kids between the ages of 4 and 6, all culled from Stanford University's Bing Nursery School. The researcher, Walter Mitchell, would give each child a marshmallow and give them the option of eating it immediately if they chose. But if they could wait 15 minutes, they would get a second marshmallow as a reward. Those are the days when marshmallows actually had currency for kids. (laughs) Then Mitchell would leave the room and a hidden video camera would tape what happened next. Some kids just ate the marshmallow right away. Others found a handy distraction, covering their eyes, kicking the desk, 
poking at the marshmallow with their fingers. Some smelled it, licked it, took little nibbles on the edges. Roughly one-third of the kids held out long enough to earn a second marshmallow. Several years later, Mitchell noted a strong correlation between the success of those kids later in life, the ones that had their ability to delay gratification. He showed that they had better grades, higher self-confidence. Mitchell's follow-up study confirmed the correlation. Of course, there are issues with that original study, and subsequent studies have been made that have called some of that narrative into question. But good research is pretty clear that people with an ability to moderate their impulses have better health, better relationships, careers, are less likely to overdrink or overeat, and are more apt to consider their lives meaningful and satisfying. Paul includes self-control as a mark of the presence of the Spirit. The paradox is that by releasing the illusion that we are masters over our impulses, we actually gain the freedom we need to exercise self-control. Being overly reliant can, can lead to captivity and at the very least can lead to moralism or self-righteousness, or judgmentalism. What comes easy to you might be hard for others, and what's not tempting to you might be tempting to others. Isn't it annoying when someone tells you, just don't eat it, or just get up earlier to exercise, or to pray? Just buy a few more plastic containers to get organized. But if we confess that we are indeed powerless over our versions of unhealthy impulses, we can trust we're not only forgiven for our powerlessness, but we are loved because of it. We live the freedom we've been given in Christ. Out of a realized forgiveness and grace, we live freely. And free people are peculiar people. We have courage to make mistakes. We have courage to fall and get up and try again. Free people begin each day without the burden of the previous day's mistakes. Free people can admit when we are wrong and take responsibility for our actions. There are necessary constraints, of course, in the ways we treat each other in order to cultivate healthy relationships. We must contend with the truth that our thoughts, our actions, good or bad, always impact others whether we intend to or not. Exercising self-control necessitates being ready to stop And ask oneself, is what I'm about to do or say coming from a place of love? Is what I'm about to say or do or the email I'm about to send really necessary? In fact, 
Who might I hurt in doing or saying or posting my thoughts? Remember the acronym that Anne Lamott uses for herself, W-A-I-T, why am I talking? Self-control manifests itself in taking a pause and a breath and staying calm and considering the potential consequences of our actions. It sounds easy, and I know it is not. I can understand why Paul added self-control to the list of marks of life in the Spirit. Love combined with self-control can offer us abundant life. I suggest we conclude this series of living in the Spirit in a very practical way. I'll give you a moment to close your eyes, to take a deep breath, here or watching at home, and just listen. As I read each fruit, listen for the prompting of the Holy Spirit. Don't overthink it. Which word leaps out to you? What word, what fruit do you need to cultivate in your life? And once you have one, just take it with you and contemplate it in the days ahead. It might be the gift you need. So here we go. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. May it be yours. May it be so. Amen.